Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Armando Salguero joins us in 20 minutes as we kick off hour number two. Outkick 360 rolls on from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Great for holiday parties here on site, and plus, uh, great for pre-gaming. If you're coming downtown for a, uh, a concert, if you're coming in town for a bowl game or an NFL game, whatever it might be, check out 6th and Peabody right here, right behind the Music City Center, which is the convention center, which is right across the street from Bridgestone Arena. Crew's all here today. And sometimes it's easy to forget how close we are to Bridgestone Arena here in downtown Nashville. I had to walk to get a gift card somewhere close by. And looked up and saw the arena, Music City Center, said, oh, yeah, we're, we're right next door. That's a very short walk. Sometimes Great. it takes a second to click in just how close we are uh, to everything downtown. Did you it's get it's someone, a beautiful spot. Did you get someone a nice gift card to the arena? I, I did, yes. Yeah. Actually, Music City Center. They can take part in all the concessionaires at yes. any event at Music City anything Center. Anything they want to do time at gift any card. convention. Yes. They can have a big time. Mike McCarthy is back from uh, his COVID layoff um, after his 10-day his absence. Um, where he is extremely confident, extremely confident that his Cowboys are going to get right back on track. He's saying what a lot of coaches always think behind the scenes, but it's rare, it's rare to see a coach come out and say, "Yeah, we're going to win the game," and and that's what he's saying. He's all his quote is, "We're going to win this game. I'm confident in that." Uh, there's Mike McCarthy backing his team that hasn't played great in recent weeks trying to get bon- back on track against a red-hot Washington team that has won at home and then won on the road and has won four straight and that has everything in front of them within the division. Five games to close out the AFC East division. Um, and here's Dallas, the expected winner of the division. Well, he's given his team a booster, a confidence booster. It's, it's not quite Jim Fassel saying, I'm pushing all my chips into the middle of the table and we're going to the playoffs like he did for the Giants, a year that they went to the Super Bowl, I believe. But it's got a hint of that to it. Like, he, he's, he's not just telling them in the house, hey, I'm confident that we're going to go out and do this. He's saying to them, I'm going to go public and tell everybody, I think we're winning well, this game. I'm going to suffer the wrath of, the, of Washington and Washington fans and, and Well, it's media. not. I mean, that doesn't matter, you know, building up the game and during the game. What matters is, you look like a moron if you go out and lose. Yeah. So that it's he's the, telling them that it's the fallout. I'm willing if you to lose look like a moron. That he looks like a moron. But I, I look at risk assessment with that. Just stating this, does that give your team the confidence boost and the confidence in you and showing that you have their back to the level to risk the fallout if you lose? And I just don't think it does because I really don't think the Dallas Cowboys players are sitting around saying. Well, we got to go out there and win this one for Mike McCarthy now. Our coach right. really put his neck on the line, guaranteeing a win. I just don't think it matters enough to say it. Now, if they go out there and win, great. He, he looks cool for having guaranteed the win. If they go out and win by two touchdowns 
everyone's going to say, boy, Mike no. McCarthy knew what was going to well, happen. The talent. And I'm all for that, but the risk part of it to me just doesn't make any sense because I don't think the benefit to your team is that great in the National Football well, League. I agree with you, but the talent differential player-wise is such oh, that yeah. Dallas should absolutely win this game. Where is the differential not significant in his favor? His desk and Ron Rivera's desk. The heads inside the headsets, it's not in his favor at all. But the the watching the presser, it was more than just that one quote. There is a he's he's, he's weaving it through. He had ten days off. He's refreshed, you know. He's charged y- up. Yeah, he's charged up and ready to go. And he's back. He's got this little smirk on his face as he's answering questions, saying, "Look." We're eight and four. I realize where we are. I'm content with where we are. And the, now now we're about to hit a stretch where the games really matter. We're about to hit the portion of the season that really matters. We're in position to take advantage of it. And we're going to. We're going to Washington to win the game. And I, I mean, to me, the, it, should, it should give the, a little boost of, of energy to the locker room. They need to get that run game going again. I guess the Washington defense has been outstanding. I think it's going to be overplayed after player. the fact, regardless of what happens. I think if they lose, McCarthy being an idiot is going to be overplayed. And I think if they win, the impact on the that had on the locker room but the, going into that game is going to be overplayed. It'll be overplayed because no matter the where they're... Yeah, it's the Cowboys. 34 million right. people tune in a week to watch them play. But I would say this about any team. You know, it's, it would just be, boy, he gave them the confidence boost they needed to go to Washington and win and, and beat that team. Or he's an idiot... Because he guaranteed, but I also fully agree. He looks like an idiot when you guarantee a win in the NFL and you don't win, especially in a regular season game. It'll get overplayed because it's so rare for a coach yes. to say anything remotely related to uh, 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 the threatening of the other team, which is a shame. There should yeah. be a little verbal joust before a game, and that's really changed. without it being a crime. You know, I mean, Jerry really, Glanville used to talk all kinds of crap before game, and it was part of the fun well, of the league. It's, remember, it's, uh, re- remember Jimmy Johnson. I mean, yeah. just going back to the '90s when he was like, "Yeah, we're going to we're going to beat San Francisco." Put that and print that in three inch headlines at the paper. Yeah, and it was great, and we appreciate. It. I appreciate Aaron Rodgers not backing down from saying he owns the Bears. Yeah, he said, "What is factually incorrect about what I said?" And he said, I'm sure it's going to be used against me. And that's this in Chicago week. <laughs> and everything else. And that's the downside of it. But no, I don't regret it because it's true. I applaud that. Don't backtrack. You said it. You said, I bleeping own this city my entire life to a fan. Great. It was caught. Everybody can read your lips. Don't back down from it now. Uh, I applaud Aaron Rodgers for, for sticking with it on that. And he's right. They're 22 and 5. Since he's been the he- since he's been the quarterback with the Packers against yep. the Bears, owns he does own them. Speaking of the Bears, ESPN is connecting Leslie Frazier with the Bears job, Paul. Yes, which look, I think Leslie Frazier would probably be a, a a good head coach. But the thing is, if you were the Bears, whether it's Justin Fields or whether it's the next quarterback, you need somebody to coach a quarterback. And this is the dilemma about hiring a defensive guy. If the defensive guy hits a home run on the coordinator and the coordinator does a great job with Justin Fields or whoever replaces Justin Fields and he does a great job with him for a year or two, what happens? He gets hired as a head coach somewhere else and then you've got to go find the next coordinator. So there's the danger in the defensive hire. Mike Vrabel's gone through that here. He lost Matt LaFleur, who didn't even do that great a job with Marcus Mariota right. and was handcuffed. This would be the most bland, boring, 
not outside of the box, dumb thing that the Chicago Bears could do. Tell me the evidence that Leslie Frazier is a good head coach based on his time in Minnesota. We yeah. crush the not NBA great. for retreads. Just get, go get a guy who's got head coaching experience. He'll be good enough. We'll give him his fourth shot. We'll give him his second shot. This is where they need to think quarterback and offense. Yeah, and this is and is go outside Chicago the box a little bit. I love opposite. the Ryan Day idea that Hutton floated out there. That is at least different and unique. Hiring Leslie Frazier as a retread for a guy who failed in your division as a head coach would be the dumbest possible move for the Chicago and, Bears. And this would be going opposite from offense to defense. And uh, their offensive hire was uh, a disaster. And I, I think Chicago probably has a little bit of a feel of needs to be defense. Chicago is Chicago. It's always going to be a defensive football team in the cold, et cetera, et cetera. Which I agree with you, Chad. It's not necessarily well, something they should go back to. What have we been saying about the Bears organization for you know yeah, uh, generations now? Since Bill Wade was their quarterback. quarterback. They need a quarterback. They just drafted a quarterback high in the first round. They didn't draft a defensive player for whatever their mantra is or well, the, identity or anything else. They drafted a quarterback. They got to help that quarterback or go find a different one. Oh, uh, Among coordinators, though, Leslie Frazier's an easy connection to make with Chicago because he played there. He played for the Bears. So, I mean, uh, of the, the 80s Bears... There's a connection that's in the, in the league coaching. And, well, and, and, and maybe it is someone just making that easy connection with it, and they're not really that serious no, about th- Leslie Frazier. I think there's more to it than that. But I think it would be dumb. Of of a retread, he's a young guy who didn't do well as a head coach, but has done well again as a coordinator, and you know wouldn't be the worst second chance that we've seen. Leslie, I don't think it'd be a brilliant hire, but Leslie Frazier is 62 years old, Paul. Oh, I'm surprised by that. He is not young. I'm Again, this is that. lazy. Totally this is dumb and lazy of the Bears. It's going through a Rolodex of, oh, who do we know? Who's been here before? Who's got head coaching experience? And well, the, picking the worst one I'm on the list. The funny connection with that is Dave McGinnis was offered the Bears job you know, years ago. And had he taken the job, Leslie Frazier was going to be his defensive coordinator in Chicago. And he turned it down. This ties into Tony Elliott, by the way, because Coach Mack has told me before, whenever he was the interim coach in Arizona, this was after he turned down the Bears job, he was offered the Arizona job, and he had to take it because if he turned it down, if he turned down two NFL jobs after not being a head coach before in the league, reputation. the reputation would be, you're just a coordinator. You don't want to be a head you're coach. You're wasting our time. You have to take Elliott. the gig yeah. after you turn down the Bears. If you're offered the Cardinals, you've got to take it. And so he took it. And, you know, he, he ended up getting the stadium built and, and helped Glendale become the, the, the stadium that what it was when they went door-to-door knocking, trying to get people to, to vote in their favor. Point being, that's Tony Elliott now. That was Brent Venables this year. You, lifetime coordinator or head coach? Now's the time to decide. Elliott's got that because he's got Virginia and Duke where he's being rumored, or he can stay as the offensive play caller for Clemson. I just think this is an opportunity for Chicago to, uh, I, I think also just looking at anyone that the great hand of Sean McVay touched uh, is another lazy move right now and seems to be in vogue in the NFL, but it's a chance for them to make a move like a Sean McVay, right? Sean McVay-like. Find someone who's an offensive guy. It doesn't have to be the youngest guy on the planet or anything like that, but Go do something to help your offense, to help your quarterback if you truly believe in Justin Fields and his future. Don't hire 
62-year-old Leslie Frazier as a retread and a defensive coach to be your head coach. So the other one yes. that ESPN put together here was Mark Davis, pissed off at the league, not going to select somebody off the league's menu. You know, it puts out a, sure. a, a minority list anyway. Um, wanting to get back at them, wanting another uh, outside-the-box hire that would be exciting to his fan base. Looking to Michigan and going for the other Harbaugh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh as a potential thing. If Jim Harbaugh wanted back in the league, I'm wondering if there you know, could be some potential that a, a year after taking the reduction at Michigan and having the success now, hmm. I don't know what they do in the playoffs now, but he won the Big Ten. He beat Ohio State. Could two games away from a national championship. And he's paying college money to his coaches. He's paying yeah. Gruden $10 million a year. Well, and he, uh, Jim Harbaugh was a successful NFL coach. I mean, he Went got the Super 49ers Bowl. to the Super Bowl with, with Colin Kaepernick at, at quarterback, so that would make some sense. I also immediately think, uh, what does this say about the psychology of Mark Davis oh, that he is constantly seeking his father? Right? If I could put him on the couch, all he wants are huge personalities. Like his dad. Yeah. Like he wants to almost be domineered by the huge personality and celebrity well, of the coach because you go from John Gruden well, what he to wants. Jim Harbaugh, you're getting two very unique, huge personality I mean, celebrity he coaches. He also wants to stir up the league in a way that the league may not well, but what, love. So, but just reading into the Gruden hire, Gruden, it, it wasn't any player. It was Gruden that was on every billboard prior to the move as they're building that stadium in Vegas. And they had that reality show where they had the uh, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs who uh, was the narrator of the show that they put out for, for Raiders fans. Um, and, and I think they picked it up on a TV station out on the West Coast. They, they, it was all Gruden around the stadium. Billboards with John Gruden. He was the face of the franchise. And it was in similar fashion to what Fisher was for Nashville and the Titans. Gruden was that for the Raiders. I think what he wants is to have the face of the franchise be the coach and no one particular player, if that makes sense. That's how they treated and, Gruden. And now they, and that's the contract they gave him, too. And they could be closer to transition with some of these players. I mean, who's the player on that team in terms of name and face? Other than Carr? Yeah. Prop, uh, Josh Jacobs comes to mind immediately for me. Yeah, but he doesn't have a stranglehold. Darren Waller. A, yeah, Waller. Yeah. I mean, who's hurt right now? Yeah. But that that's that comes to mind immediately. Some marketing. Some news around the Virginia opening. Yeah. Apparently, it's now official. Tony Elliott does not want that job. The discussions have officially broken off. Matt Zenitz of uh, On3.com is reporting that Virginia is focused on Josh Gaddis. Offensive coordinator at Michigan, who just won the Frank Broyles Award uh, for Assistant Coach of the Year, with what he's done recruiting wise and what he's done with the Michigan offense. Um, we talked about it yesterday. That's another guy off the James Franklin family yes, tree. So yes. you could have Virginia Tech hire Brent Pry, a James Franklin assistant, and then hire, have Virginia hire Josh Gaddis, another James Franklin produced assistant who's now with Jim Harbaugh. And another, another coach who's been through the Saban tree as well. He was in, he was in Alabama after his stop with, right. with Penn State. Yep. Young guy. Uh, he is from the area, Durham, North Carolina. Originally played at Wake Forest. So Josh Gaddis right now, again, according to On3, 
the front runner and who Virginia's focused on because Tony Elliott's not going to happen. Armando Salguero is going to happen. Next, we're going to talk NFL headlines, preview NFL Week 14 and tonight's game. Steelers taking on the Vikings. Armando Salguero of OutKick next on OutKick 360. The Texans trash turns into Titans treasure. Paul with the latest on OutKick 360. Not sure if he's a waiver claimer, if he cleared waivers and they signed him. But Zach Cunningham, uh, he is a waiver claim. So the Titans got Zach Cunningham wow. off waivers. That's huge. He's one of the uh, top well, that's big time. linebackers going. Uh, he is a game wrecker uh, against the run and much more. And that is a massive addition for the Titans who are needing some help at inside linebacker. But beyond that, uh, this guy's under contract for a while. I mean, he just signed an extension with the Texans last year, and they waived him after uh, violations of team policy and showing up late to a COVID test, among other things. Tardiness. 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 Uh, never tardy is Armando Salguero of Outkick.com. Covers the NFL as a senior writer for the site, and he joins us, uh, making us jealous. Uh, he's down in South Beach. Look at this view. Look at look at this. Uh, show off. He's very. Uh, where are you right now? Are you outside your home? I'm in my backyard. Oh, unbelievable! <laughs> wow. Give us, I, give in, us. The, how how warm is I'm it in, there? Um. Well, it's been chillier than normal <laughs> uh, for December. It's it's they, we've had a couple of nights that have been in the fifties. And then the days, you know, have been chillier than normal in the high 70s. <laughs> uh, sunny. Uh, but I do detect a cloud over here and a cloud way, way, way over there. So so there is a there are a couple of clouds, which is kind of disappointing. <laughs> well, Armando, I saw this setup that you have because... You posted something about the weather in Buffalo and basically said, you know, eat your heart out for those people that sit in weather like this at the end of football season. And it was a picture of the pool and your backyard setup. So kudos to you, sir, for this. Well, you know, I mean, Florida is a wonderful is a wonderful place. Yep. Uh, I highly recommend it for certain people. And for other other people, stay the hell away. <laughs> Mess up our Florida. Armando Salguero, our guest from Outkick.com, as we uh, take a look to NFL Week 14. Uh, Mike McCarthy's extremely confident. He waltzes back in to Frisco, Texas, in the practice facility and says, hey, we're, we're winning the game. Cowboys at Washington, red-hot Washington, and a really strong defense as of late. What do you make of McCarthy's confidence? Yeah, it's interesting. By the way, that is the Outkick NFL Game of the Week the story of which we'll post Saturday morning and be on the site at outkick.com until Sunday. Thank you for the plug opportunity. Nice. nice. Yeah. Um, I, I, is there such a, there's, is there such a thing as COVID fog? Uh, <laughs> Maybe he was still feverish. Uh, it, it, that guy is one of the most boring <laughs> Uh, head coaches, banal head coaches in the NFL, and he's coming out with all his boldness. Uh, and, and and I get it. He said later on, what am I supposed to say? 
you know, that I don't believe my team is going to win. I believe they're going to win every, every day or every week. And yeah, of course you do, but you don't have to, well, I'm glad that he said it, but it's probably not in the best interest of his team to go ahead and make that proclamation, especially because, you know, Washington football team, they've won four in a row and the Cowboys have lost two out of three. And I get it. The Cowboys are way more talented and, you know, they've got the high priced quarterback and, and Washington has a beer can at quarterback or a beer brand. And so I understand the Cowboys are supposed to win, but you're probably doing yourself a disservice if you're telling the whole world. Armando, in your weekly quarterback column, you wrote about Ryan Tannehill, the Titans, and his need for Julio Jones to be that guy uh, for him. The Titans need anyone at this point to be that guy for them. They're still in great shape uh, from a record standpoint, having the two wins already over the Colts, but they still need to win some games down the stretch, and somebody's going to have to step up and get healthy, or get healthy, I should say, for them to do that. Right, and, you know, kudos to Ryan. Um he, he didn't give the typical, yeah, it's going to be fine answer. He understands that uh, the combination between or the connection between a quarterback and a wide receiver requires chemistry. And the only way to acquire that chemistry is with time. And Julio Jones and Ryan Tannehill haven't had that time together, or at least not enough of it at this stage. Um I know that the easy uh, opinion will be, well, Julio Jones isn't uh, the same old Pro Bowl future Hall of Famer Julio Jones anymore. Well, I mean, he did have that one game uh, in which he had like 128 receiving yards. Was it the Raiders game? It's a Seattle Seattle game. Seattle. Seattle. Okay. And so he's still capable. I'm not saying he can do it every week. But he can do it. And so it's a matter of, one, staying healthy. Two, uh, being able to practice full day after day after day and stacking those and then taking it to the game, obviously. Yeah, I'll believe he practices day after day after day after I see him practice day after day. Two, yeah, two we, days. Yeah, we just need back-to-back practices, Armando. Baby steps. Yeah, Baby steps. That, that would be the upset. I, I get it. And that's the challenge that Ryan Tannehill faces because – no one on game day is saying, well, Ryan, it's okay that you had 115 passing yards because your wide receivers are injured and they're not practicing all the time. No one's saying that. That's the problem. Armando, if, if the Dolphins end up making the postseason, uh, is Tua their guy moving forward or are we still going to talk about Watson? Yeah, that's a great question. And it depends on how they do it, right? Because... Right now, their defense is playing playoff caliber football. Uh, Their offense is not. And although Tua has improved, I don't think anyone in the NFL is going around going, Tua Tungavailoa is an elite quarterback. I think they're saying he's improved, but there's a big gap between improved and elite. And so what happens next is what is going to determine whether or not they take that step in the offseason. It's two ways to look at what's going on with the Chiefs, really. Is it a testament to the Chiefs that they've turned things around with Patrick Mahomes not being kind of the central character in this whole thing? 
Or is there fear about Mahomes' lack of involvement? Seven touchdowns in the last five games, a lot of them in one of those games. Um, and he's only 12th in touchdowns in that span. 12 picks already matching his season high. Uh, as much as anybody might like the Chiefs right now, they have to be a little worried about where Mahomes is in all of this. Yeah, I like the Chiefs. I'm, I'm Hey, guilty, Paul. Uh, I like the Chiefs, but the reason that I like the Chiefs is their defense is really, really good right now. Uh, you know, they, they've made some adjustments in that defense, and Chris Jones being the key adjustment where they put him inside as opposed to at, you know, at the three technique, and he is basically unblockable now. And so he's unblockable. He's still taking up two guys. And now he's getting to the quarterback and they're getting also to the pressure on the quarterback from the outside. So that's bad for, for you know, if you're the opposing quarterback, you're blocking one guy with two guys and he's still at you. And his friend who is unblocked is at you also. That's bad. And so that's why the Chiefs all of a sudden have prospered these last five games. Patrick Mahomes, you know, was the guy that was driving the bus here for the last three years. Now he's basically on the ride, uh, and it's the defense that's driving that bus. Armando, do you vote for MVP? I do. Uh, Associated Press voters vote for Coach of the Year, MVP, all that stuff. As of right now, would you lean Brady? Would you lean Murray? Or someone else, maybe Jonathan Taylor, maybe Hutton. <laughs> yeah, please, you'd, uh, you'd be the first and the last. Yes, I would. Probably. <laughs> but you know, uh, look, this is a pet peeve of mine. Okay, so I'm going to be totally frank. Yeah, uh, I learned a long time ago that I don't need to vote for MVP until I need to vote for MVP. Well. And- all these people that do uh, lists during the season and after four games. I remember, what was it, last year or the year before? People were saying, Russell Wilson has never won the MVP, and he's definitely winning it this year. And then Russell Wilson fell off the table, and he wasn't in the MVP conversation the second half of the season. Why? Because they were having that conversation over the first half of the season. Now you understand why people are not voting for Russell Wilson. It takes an entire season and he's had great ones, but not necessarily great ones compared to, you know, the guys that have won MVPs like uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady and Mahomes and all those guys. Yeah. So I'm basically saying is Jonathan Taylor looks great now. He's leading the league in rushing. Uh, can we wait four more weeks? I'm just... No, I'm, and I, I'm absolutely with you. I, I didn't mean it as a lazy question, but th- there is a, a lot of talk about Jonathan Taylor when no one wanted to talk about Derrick Henry. And I, quite frankly, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that voters like you will vote for a running back. Right, because we're all quarterback-centric, right? Yes, yes, you are. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, we are. <laughs> hey, and that's not to say You're that right. Murray and Rodgers and Bray, I mean, those guys are doing extraordinary things, but uh, I'm, I'm turning on and, and watching Sunday night football and watching football night in America after the day's games, and they're touting Jonathan Taylor 
as some MVP candidate. And I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm sitting there going, there's no way that the voting group that determines these will include Taylor over a Brady, over Kyler Murray and what he's done. At, they're the first 10 win team to this point. There's no way if you asked them to vote today, they would vote Taylor over those players. If I had to vote today, I think I'd vote for Aaron Rodgers, and this is the reason, okay? Yep. Uh, Jonathan Taylor can go to his next game, and if his offensive line is not there, chances are good he's not he's not going to do a whole lot of damage. I was in Arizona when, uh, when Aaron Rodgers went to Arizona without Devontae Adams, without uh, Marquez Scantling, without Alan Lazard, and beat the Arizona Cardinals. And so, and by the way, they've got two offensive linemen that have been missing the entire season, or if not, Bakhtiari has missed the entire season so far. They've got other injuries there. Um, He's doing it not by himself necessarily, because obviously they feel the full team, but he is doing it despite everything else. And he hasn't practiced in in like three and a half, four weeks. So what, and he owns Chicago. How do you, how do you argue against that? So Armando, you were bragging earlier about the temperature there in in South Florida, where you are right now. Uh, The bills will play in 78 degree weather uh, in Tampa this week compared to whatever they had was going on back in Western New York last week. The bills bounce back in this game because they lose their seven and six and their playoff chances are very dicey at that point with their remaining schedule. Yeah, it's weird with the Bills. Um, you know, Josh Allen is a quarterback built for Orchard Park. He's got, you know, the world's strongest arm. Uh, he can make any throw, and uh, he's capable of doing it in any condition. Although, you know, I get it. Monday night's. completion percentage was not great. But that team seems more or better built for a dome than it does Orchard Park or or rough weather conditions like going to New England. Uh, They're not exactly a physical team. They're definitely not a running team. Um, The Bills have a problem that a lot of people saw over the years, like with the early Denver Broncos, that it was all John Elway and some defense, and that's how they made it to all those Super Bowls and then got blown out. Later, when John Elway and that defense found, you know, Terrell Davis, uh, now we're talking a complete package, and now they are winning those back-to-back Super Bowls. In Miami, Dan Marino, they never had a running game because they were they were built around the quarterback and they were a passing finesse team. And so, of course, late in the season, tough teams, rough, rough and tumble teams, teams that could run the football would beat them. And that's what I, I if I'm a Bills fan, that's what I would be concerned about. It's not going to show this weekend in Tampa because it looks like this in Tampa, but they've got to go to new England and uh, you guys, you guys have been to Boston in, in December and January. It's not great to be outside. 
And that's what the Bills have to do their work in. And I'm not sure that they're built for it. Two Seattle questions for you. Forecasting ahead for a team that's been wildly disappointing this season, even regardless of Russell Wilson's finger. Is he there next year? Is Pete Carroll there next year? Yeah, uh, Paul, there was a, I, I assume you're referencing a report that was mentioning the Giants as a possible place for Russell Wilson. Is I, that I the think, one? Well, I think uh, Jordan Schultz reported that he likes the Giants, the Broncos, and the Saints as potential trade destinations. Right. Well, I, you know, I could see the Saints. Uh, <laughs> there's no way that Russell Wilson, who has a no trade clause, will waive that no trade clause to go from a team with uh, a, a bad offensive line and, you know, a, su- a suspect defense to go to a team with a bad offensive line and a suspect defense. Why? I mean, why would he do that? Uh, New Orleans is another story. That's, that's, that's intriguing because we all know that their defense is solid. We all know that Sean Payton can turn good quarterbacks into very good quarterbacks and great quarterbacks into Super Bowl winners. Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. He's already won a Super Bowl. He could easily win another one in New Orleans. What do you think about Pete Carroll? I think Pete Carroll loves what he does. And I think he loves what he does where he does it. Armando Salguero, our guest, uh, on the way out, I, I know that uh, coming up at the Super Bowl, the Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors before that. Uh, meet. Uh, before that? Yeah, we got a Zoom meeting uh, mid-January. Oh, for the selection? Yep. Oh, I didn't. Sorry. I thought that was taking place at the Super Bowl. Uh, before that, uh, you guys will meet and determine the, the class of 2022. And uh, Armando, I'm assuming you'll be presenting Zach Thomas again, right? Oof, I'm getting hot. Um, oh. yeah, absolutely. Uh, assuming that he makes it to, to the finals. Oh, he I will. Mean, he will. Uh, I, I sent out a video of Zach Tom. Did you get that video? I did. Paul? I did. Good. Stuff. You like the video? Very Paul. nice. Very nice video. Well, what's it like? You're Armando? For my guy, Paul. I like Zach Thomas a lot. Whenever you're presenting, right. whenever you're presenting a player, what is it like pushing for that, for that guy? And also keeping, uh, a pulse of, what others are thinking about him prior to the selection day. You know, I have great respect for the other selectors. And so I'm the politicking and the, you know, what I just did in jest with Paul, I really don't, you know, I don't do that to, to the guys and, and the gals who I have great respect for. I know that they know football. And so my job is not to grease the skids, so to speak. Right. My job is to present them a cogent uh, reason to vote for my guy. And that's on me, not on them. I I love that. And by the way, Zach Thomas is going to be a finalist. I mean, he's very deserving. I say that like Thank I know you. and like yeah, I gonna, vote. He's going to get in yeah. eventually. Absolutely. Uh, Armando, looking forward to all the coverage. Uh, can't wait for uh, several of these matchups this weekend as the push for the postseason begins. And, man, uh, there, there may not be a great team getting in at the seven seed for both of these conferences, but 
the anticipation going down to the wire is going to be a lot of fun. It was already fun, but now it's opened up even more so with a lot of parity across the league. Yeah, it's exactly what Pete Rozelle envisioned, you know, uh, in the last century. And it's exactly what makes the NFL so uh, compelling because <laughs> it's, it's now to the point where we've got seven teams that get in in each conference and 12 of them are still in the running and, you know, still in the, in the hunt, so to speak. And so it, it's wonderful for the fan bases of all those places. And then, of course, you have Detroit. <laughs> and Houston. <laughs> and Houston. Hey, good to see you, man. Thank you for making us jealous with the backdrop. And uh, just do this every week outside, if you don't mind. Enjoy your tropical paradise. Yeah. Well, I'm going north this weekend. I'm going to be in um, in freezing cold Tampa. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 78. Put, put, put a beanie on while you're there, yeah. Armando. It's going to be all the way down to 78 in Tampa. 78. Thank you, Armando. Armando Salguero has been our guest. Follow him on Twitter just by the name. He makes it very easy on all of us. And read his great work at outkick.com. It is uh, a bookmark appointment uh, reading prior to his visit with us each and every Thursday at 320 Central, 420 Eastern. Stay tuned. Headlines galore when we return on Outkick 360. Coming up, three keys on how the Titans not just win, but they handle Jacksonville on Sunday. That's coming up in about 12 minutes on OutKick 360. The Titans have a new player. They have claimed Zach Cunningham, the waived linebacker from Houston, is now a Tennessee Titan. He returns to the city where he played his college football at Vanderbilt, one of the top inside linebackers and the most respected inside linebackers that Mike Vrabel talks about on an annual basis, uh, twice annually whenever they play Houston, they now have him on their roster, and it is a considerable upgrade to the inside linebackers who they already have on their roster that includes Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown. And the it is a bit of a gamble, Paul, based on the contract because there is a $10 million injury guarantee next year on a contract that he just signed last year in Houston. Well, I think he's a long-term player here. He signed through 2024. You mentioned two guys who are not going to be here. Right. Uh, Rashawn Evans has an expiring contract, has not turned into anything like a first-round pick should. And John Brown signed a one-year deal with a couple dead years on it. He's going to be gone. So you're talking about David Long and uh, Monty Rice, who, by the way, Shane Bowen let the cat out of the bag. He's done for the year. He said, I hope he gets oh. healthy in his back Next year. A lot of people saying next year, he means 2022, he means January. In football terms, when somebody says next year, they mean next season. Nobody's talking about the the calendar flipping. Nobody's thinking of January as next year. Next year means next season. So next season, they've got Zach Cunningham, David Long, and Monty Rice as the three inside linebackers, which is a good setup. And so this is not just for these five games plus playoffs. Well, this is for the next couple seasons, and it's a good acquisition, probably better than anything they do in a free agent market or with another no draft. And, Chad, they have an inside linebacker that will help them this year in the playoffs as teams want to run the football. Yeah, and it's look, they, they need help at a number of spots, but that's the help. 
if you're prioritizing, that's one of the spots that they yep. absolutely needed, and they got it. Hey, one thing uh, Titans fans will remember, this was November of 2018, one of the worst play calls of the Mike Vrabel era. Fourth down, Luke Stocker gets a handoff close to the goal line against Houston and gets taken down for a loss. A terrible play. Tackle made by Zach Cunningham, who read it from the snap. So that's his most memorable play against the Titans, I believe. Didn't think we'd be talking Ivy League swimming uh, on this show, but uh, there's a story out there that we do need to discuss, and a good job of reporting by Joe Kinsey at OutKick on this story. I'll read the first paragraph. Uh, While University of Pennsylvania transgender swimmer Leah Thomas who spent three years at the Ivy League school swimming as a male, has been busy smashing female pool records. Friction has been building within the team. According to a Penn female swimmer who said she feared for her ability to find employment after graduating from college for sharing her honest opinion about a transgender teammate, for that reason, OutKick is granting her anonymity to speak out. And this comes after uh, Thomas's latest round of swimming record destruction at a three-day meet in Akron, Ohio. Thomas, by the way, is on pace to possibly beat Katie Ledecky and Missy Franklin uh, records in college. Um, this is... Uh, because a, because swimming with the men, he was posting times that were right on par with Ledecky. Yeah. And uh, now this is the NCAA rule. If you do a year of uh, testosterone suppression medication then you can compete as a female. Um, and this is, according to the anonymous teammate, everyone on the team is being very fake because they say, oh, great job, Leah, and secretly they hate it. And she says her coach, like a lot of people, really likes winning, so, so says nothing about yeah, so it. so he's not going to do anything about it because he's winning. The Ivy League is not a fast league for swimming, so that's why it's particularly ridiculous that we could potentially have an NCAA champion. That's unheard of coming from the Ivy League. Um, Look, this is something I tweeted out earlier also that it's completely wrong and unfair, but I felt like people would probably still come back at me and and argue with me about it not being wrong and unfair. And I'll be honest, not a single person said that it wasn't wrong or unfair. I, I think this may be a story that as difficult as it sounds in America right now, could unite people behind common sense. Something's got to be figured out. And I know Joe talked to, and I want to get the name right, it's a leading women's sports advocate, Donna DeVarona? Donna DeVarona. Yeah, yeah she's Donna a DeVarona, who said, um, look, we got to find a way to have three categories, right? There's, there's got to be a way to, you can't lump this into female athletics. Who would disagree with that? I, I Leah don't Thomas. Know. Now, and someone did respond and say, this isn't going to get national or international attention until someone goes to the Olympics and starts shattering records well, what in are a very high-profile What are the way. Olympic rules? I don't know what the Olympic rules are right now. Yeah, I, I, I don't see how anybody could object to... But to, Thomas's teammate, Paul, like they, they were saying like one year isn't enough on the testosterone suppression because... Clearly, it's not enough because it hasn't changed. Well, the so and the, he, he the went times, through. I mean, he went through puberty. I mean, he's he's. I mean, when you look at what he's posted, because he swam for what two or three years 
on the men's team yes. in college. Yes. yes, he switched over to the women's so team. So he now, she, it hasn't slowed her to women's speed. Look, this, no. is, uh, speed. this is, to me, the, this is the worst-case scenario happening. Right? When everyone says, well, this is what's going to happen when you allow this, and then everybody says, well, that'll never happen. Or that's going to be such a small number of people that it's not going to matter. Well, this is it being practiced right now. If it starts happening more frequently... In other sports, we've got a bigger problem. Three keys on how the Titans handle Jacksonville and more details on Zach Cunningham, who, by the way, loves playing for Mike Vrabel, who coached him in Houston. He coaches him again with the Titans. Details on the linebacker acquisition next on OutKick 360.